Welcome to this week's podcast from Planet Shakers in Melbourne, Australia. For more details, check out planetshakers.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to talk for a little while about a guy in the scriptures who is an enigma. It's a good word. I don't know what it means, but I felt it would. Samson was an enigma. Not a machine, the enigma machine. He was an enigma. He, his story is incredible um, to, work it, to work him out. There's so many elements to Samson. And I want to talk just for a, about the next two and a half hours about Samson. Go with me, please, to the book of Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Oh, I'm upside down. I'm starting it. It's really hard to read your Bible upside down. Go to the book of, uh, what am I talking about? Oh, that's thrown me this morning. That's really kind. I love that. Thank you for that. Thank you for honouring a lot of years. What it says is I'm getting old, but doing it graciously and uh, fired up to go ahead. Thank you. We're going to go to, to the book of Judges and chapter 15. And I just want to read a little piece of scripture here. And reading from verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah Father, would you anoint your word with power today? Help me to stay on track. And Father, let your word be strong, building, establishing, and inspiring in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Bible says, Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Etam, and they said to Samson, Don't you know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done unto us? And he said unto them, as they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, we are come down to bind you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. Bind me up by all means, but don't kill me. And they spake unto him, saying, no, we will bind you fast. We'll deliver you into their hands. But surely we will not kill you. And they bound him with two new cords and they brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and they fell from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and he put forth his hand and he took it and he slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with a jawbone of an ass, heap upon heaps, with a jaw of an ass, I've slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he'd made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and he called the place Ramoth Lehi. And then when he was thirsty, he went and picked it up again. This is a Tim Hall paraphrase. Picked it up and water came flooding out of that dead bone and he quenched his thirst with water flooding out of the dead bone of a jawbone of an ass. It's quite a miraculous story. Samson is one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. I love the judges. I've been sharing at the camp with the Planet Uni on some of the judges. We touched on Gideon the other night. And now we want to look at this man called Samson. A little bit about his background. He was living in a place called Zorah, which was on the border of Philistia and Judah. Um, It's interesting, the name Philistine is uh, when the Romans really smashed up Israel after 70 AD. They named Israel uh, uh, Palestina, which is Latin for Philistine. Uh, In actual word, Palestine or Palestinian 
means Philistine. That's exactly what it means. The Palestinian Liberation Army is the Philistine Liberation Army. And it's interesting that it's still very, the headquarters are very much down in the air around Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, um, and so on, in the same area where the, where, where the giant um, Goliath and his family came from. And the Philistines were a nasty bunch. They were a particularly nasty bunch. They were quite brutal. They burnt people alive. They had a, uh, an approach that was pretty sinister. And they, Israel had sinned whenever they did. You read in the book of Judges, when they sinned, God gave them over. It's the same with nations today. When nations turn to sin, they are in trouble and God still gives nations over. And they were delivered. Nations of the earth wonder what is happening to them. If they see where they are with God and where they are in relation to God, they will understand why things are happening in their circumstances. The Bible says that again and again, when there was crisis in the nation, people began to pray. I want to tell you in Australia, the thing I'm finding, and across America, one of the things that is happening is there's an emphasis on prayer that is stirring up in a whole fresh way. Right over this country, people are beginning to press into God. We are a people who press into God. There is a nation pressing into God. We need a breakthrough. How many believe we need a breakthrough? How many believe we need a breakthrough in God? One family began to pray, the Manoah family. The Manoahs were praying and God gave them a son. His name was Samson. It means shining light, blazing light. I want to say today, God's looking for people who are going to be a blazing light in a dark world. Bible says those that are wise in Daniel 12 verse 3. It says, in the last days, in these days, the wise are going to shine like the stars in the firmament. This is the time. He who winneth souls, the Bible says, will shine as the stars. I love the scripture in Isaiah 60 that said, Arise and shine, for your illumination has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That word arise is a great word. It literally means to irradiate, irradiate bright light that flashes into the darkness. God is raising up a people who in a darkening world are gonna start to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. God is looking not just for a bunch of Christians, but blazing lights in a dark world. What's his plan for this church? To blaze like a spotlight. What, what's his aim? What is his aim for you? His aim for you is to blaze with a divine light that cuts through the dark. He wants to take us into the nations in the light and the power of God. He wants to raise up evangelists out of here. He wants to raise up young men, young women who are gonna go into the nations blazing with a divine light that cuts the darkness. Samson was born. This young fellow was set apart to God, separated. We live in a world of compromise. The church is facing compromise. And I don't want to go into a lot of stuff now, but the church is going to be faced with more and more compromise in the coming months and years. More and more. Young people are faced with compromise as to how they live morally. 
Some will want to live in a place where they can sin and grace will keep them going. The Bible says, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. God's looking for a holy generation. Every move of God in history that has been significant has had a holy base. People set apart to God, not walking in a, I was listening to a preacher the other day and he was talking about the uh, San Andreas Fault in America. And we all know that the scientists have told us for years it's only a matter of time before the San Andreas Fault, I think there's a movie out about it now, is gonna just start to do this and that and yet people are still buying, buying real estate on that line. Buying houses on the fault line. I might be missing something. I may be missing something, but that's not where I want to build my house. I don't want to live with the knowledge that tomorrow I might wake up 100 feet down underground. And yet people build their house in God as close to the fault line as they can. It's a day of separation. Samson was separated. He, he was a Nazarite, which means a separated one. His hair was never cut and he wasn't to drink wine or, or he wasn't to drink alcohol. In fact, he wasn't even to touch grapes. He was cut off. He couldn't touch anything that was dead. He was set apart. And there's something about this young man because the Bible introduces him really here at the end of, of chapter 13 and it says this, and I can't read it without these. So I shall pop them on. Oh, there it is. Good, there's writing there. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him between the camp of Dan and Eshtaol. Or sorry, the camp of Dan, which was between Zorah and Eshtaol. He was a Danite. Danite. And the Bible says here that God began to move him on a camp between two cities, between the city on the border and another one in Judah. Eshtaol was in Judah. He may have been a refugee. He may have been put out of his hometown. He may have been forced to go and live in, in a camp because he had been dispossessed, his home, whatever. But all we know is that something began to stir this young man. Something began to agitate this young man. Something began to trouble him. Something happens for God when someone begins to get agitated. Something happens when someone begins to say, hey, things are not as they ought to be. Too many Christians are prepared to go with the status quo. Too many are prepared to put their head in the ground and say it'll all pan out in the end. It's all written in the book. But I believe that multitudes right now are in the valley of decision. You say, do you believe what's gonna happen in Revelation? 100%. Are all these things gonna come on the earth? 100%. How should I respond? I should respond right now to the greatest challenge ever to get as many people into the kingdom of God as I humanly can in my lifetime. I, How should, I, how should you and I respond to a world that's going to hell in a handbasket? 
The greatest response we can have is to say there's a nation out there, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You know what I love about Planet Shakers? We live the name. We live the name. Right now we've got a team somewhere in the world. Hawaii, that's hard. In the harshness of the conditions of Hawaii, having, a, having revival meetings on, on Waikiki and a bit of surfing down there on the pipeline. Ridden it many times. Waimea Bay at 35 feet. Didn't even get my hair wet. That's a lie from the pit of hell. No, we're from somewhere. Just a lie. But we've got teams going to all these different places. I've had the privilege of being with the team a few times and uh, working with the team over in Myanmar and the souls that came in, the multitudes at the altar and the people getting healed. And, and we are touching multitudes across the earth, but it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning because, because we've decided to be part of a bunch of people that don't just want to sit in church because somewhere we've been agitated that our life is not just to come to church carrying a Bible and take up space, but we are agitated and stirred of God to get out there and impact this planet in power. I, those, those kids that went with us, well not just kids, but those that went to Vanuatu, I have never been with a greater, fired up, more impressive, more motivating bunch of young people in my life. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a week of ministry like that week. And most of it, I sat back and I watched a team going in there, agitated over the pain of a country, agitated to see them healed, stirred up in the mornings to get in and lay hands. And, and we just had a report to say that of the 40,000 people in that area, over half came to the meetings and of the 40,000 that were there, 13,000 came into the kingdom. And everyone that was there has come back and said, when are we going again? We are agitated. God stir us to a new height. God stir us out of complacency. God stir us out of just wanting to have a nice life. There's a pastor in America a few years ago. Name was David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson had a nice church with a nice congregation, with a nice car, with a nice wife, with a cat probably and a dog and a rocking chair. And, uh, and, and, and they would have the singing Christmas tree and they would have people come at Easter and they had a nicey, nice church. But something happened where he didn't want nice anymore. Something happens when you say, that's it, I've had enough. Something happens when something stirs down in here and you go, man, I've got destiny on me. I'm born with a destiny. He stopped watching television. Started going down to his shed every night for about two, three hours seeking God. And he began to press into God. Pressing in, pressing in one night. He was saying, God, I want to I, I break out of just ordinary. I hate ordinary. I don't like ordinary. I don't want at the end of my life for someone to say, Timor was just very ordinary. People think I'm a lunatic. In many ways, they think I'm quite nuts. But that's part of it. That's part of the journey. I want to have a go. I want to have a go. I want to take a risk. I want to go to some mad places. I want to... 
Go to some risky places. Risk is overrated. Highly overrated. What's a bit of snake bite or martyrdom? Or firing squads and stuff. That's great. Bring it on. Bring it on. Us Christians need some of that stuff. He just pressed in. Then one night he's watching television. He must have been back on television watching the news. Or was it in the paper? No, I think it was the paper. It was the paper. And he saw a picture of some guys that were gang members. And these guys were in court and they had no one really to represent them. And he, something rose up on the inside. He thought they've come out of the projects. What hope have these guys got? They've got all they've got, the greatest thing they can do is lead a gang or make money out of drugs. What will I do? And he went down to the court, tried to get in and talk to them, got thrown out and got in the paper as the preacher that got kicked out. And the gang thought, hey, who's this preacher that's trying to speak for us? Man, I'm going so fast that I am spitting uncontrollably here. It is like, it's like watching out actually being a can of fly spray. I know how one feels now. It's like that. So the gangs looked for him and he got down with them with uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Nicky Cruz, the Mau Maus. They were animals. They were crazy, wild Puerto Ricans. Anyone here from Puerto Rico? Any Puerto Ricans? Is there one? Thank you, I see that hand. Is there another? No, no, Puerto Ricans. So he had this gang called Mau Mau and they were wild. They're like the Crips or the Bloods or, or these other gangs, ruthless. He would carve his name with a flick knife into someone's chest and throw them out of a car at 70 miles an hour, which I think today is about what, how many Ks, 70, 134, whatever, I don't, I still miles for gallon, feet and inches, all that newfangled stuff it came in the 60s, it was ridiculous. No one knows how tall they are anymore. <laughs> how tall are you? I don't know, 100 and whatever? Yeah. Five foot ten and a bit. How much do you weigh? None of your business. <laughs> I go on kilos there because it's less. But that's, I mean, that's another thing. So they embraced him and he got amongst them and he, he went down into the thick of it. Here's this nice pastor with a nice church. In the thick of it. Well, he witnessed to them and shared with them, but then Nicky started to get convicted. And he said to him, Nicky, Jesus loves you, Nicky. Jesus loves you. And Nicky went away and all he could hear was, Nicky, Jesus loves you. That's not God speaking. That's how Nicky interpreted it. Well, the preacher came back and for days, all Nicky Cruz had heard is, Jesus loves you, Nicky. And he came back and he says, Preacher, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he says, Nikki, Jesus loves you. He says, no more would the Jesus love you. And he says, if you come back, I'll cut you up. And he pulled a knife out, flick knife. I'll cut you up to a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson said, yes. And every one of them, you cut me to a thousand. Everyone on the lie on the sidewalk there crying out, Nikki, Jesus loves you. Nikki, Jesus loves you. Nikki. And Nikki went away and all he could hear was, Nicky, Jesus love you. Well, that's not how God, as I said, but Jesus loves you, Nicky. Jesus loves you. And it drove him mad. And eventually he contacted the preacher. He says, all I can hear is, Nicky, Jesus love you. 
and he came to the meeting and he got saved and he looked at all his gang and they all came down and got saved. And it was the beginning of Teen Challenge which has spread the world and touched multiplied hundreds of thousands because someone got agitated because someone got stirred to go to another level. I'm gonna move quick. That was my first point. So I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump over catching foxes. An afternoon catching 300 foxes. It's an incredible amount. I've only ever caught 42 on foot. It was last year. That's when I did the knee. But, but no, it's not true. I haven't caught foxes. Pastor Russell, I've, you know I've never caught a fox. I've shot them. I used to shoot the rotten mongrels. I used to have an expression. The only good fox is a dead fox. They bought from England for hunting, along with rabbits. The Austin Hospital. The bloke the Austin Hospital was named after bought a dozen rabbits and caused a rabbit plague, so we named a hospital after him. That's sensible. They should call it Rabbit Plague Hospital. Now, that's just a sidetrack. I hope it's true, otherwise I may be sued. I think it is true. I'm going to overlook some of these, but he stirred the country so badly that now 3,000 men are coming to him and saying, you have caused us great problems. Don't you know the Philistines control us? Haven't you worked that out yet? I imagine Samson said, not really, no. They said, well, what do you want to do? They said, the Philistines want to kill you. There's a thousand of them coming. They've got their crack troops. They've got their, their SAS coming and they're armed to the teeth and they're coming to get you. And so we don't want to get in trouble. So we're going to bind you up ourselves. You ever thought what would happen if those 3,000 men put their armor on and said, let's go with you, Samson. Let's go with you. But he said, well, bind me up, just don't kill me. And they bound him with two new cords. And they said, listen, Samson, we've been good to you. Remember the fact we haven't killed you? And he headed down the path. And as he headed down the roadway towards the thousand, the, the Philistines began to shout at him. They began to shout at him. I think the devil is shouting at a bound church. I think he's shouting in defiance at a church that is, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the worldwide church, that is still bound with cords of apathy, cords of fear, cords of timidity, cords of compromise, cords of everything that holds back the kingdom of God. And now the devil is shouting in derision. Here the Philistines begin to shout. And as they begin to shout, something happened. The anointing of the Holy Ghost began to fall. I tell you, the louder the devil shouts on this planet, the more we hear about ISIS, the more we hear about this, the more we hear about the stuff on the planet, the greater, greater, greater level of the manifest power of God. Greater. Greater. We are entering a day of the manifest power of God such as has never, ever been seen. The day of the latter rain, seven times stronger than the former. Suddenly, the cords begin to fall off like flax. 
And Samson stood there, nothing in his hand, facing a thousand men. He didn't want to hurt his knuckles again. And he looked around for a weapon. If it had been me, I would have left a nice shiny spear or a sword or some implement. But as he looked around, there was nothing to find. Only the new jawbone of an ass. It was a new jawbone. It wasn't an old one. Not an old dry one, but a new one. Still had meat, maggots. Dragged away by some animal from a kill perhaps and there it was on the ground the jawbone of a donkey jawbone of an ass and he reached down and picked it up and it became a weapon in his hand and I looked at that and I thought God felt the Lord say to me Tim what's an ass like a donkey I said, they're stubborn. They'll sit on a railway line. They'll sit there even if a train's coming because they make their own mind up. They've got their own will. They've got their own. They live for themselves. Like old blue eyes saying, I did it my way. They'll do it their way. He said, that's how you were before I picked you up. He said, what was the jawbone like? I said, it was a new one. Covered in meat and maggots. He said, how would it have smelt? I thought it must have stunk. If you've smelt if you're ever driving in your car and you go past a dead kangaroo up in the outback, or the smell of that thing is so strong that it'll go through your air conditioner into your car. Or a skunk in America, let's not even go there. People run over a skunk, their car will stink forever. The smell of rotting flesh, there's nothing like it, smell of death. And God said, how would that thing have smelled? I said, God, it would have stunk would have stunk he said that's how you were stubborn living your own life and smelling with the stink of death but he said but I reached down my son reached down and you responded to his word and his nail printed hand picked you off the ground and you went from a filthy stinking piece of refuse to a sharp threshing instrument that would thresh a mountain. And Jesus sees us in our sin. He sees our willfulness. He sees our self-will and the depravity of our sin. And he smells the stench of sin that's an abomination to him. And yet he so loves us that he sent a son, his son, and the only hand that can pick us up is the one that's been pierced. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We pray that you were truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out planetshakers.com.